0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Wuhib in Washington. Here's what's coming up on African News Tonight.
1: And let me remind the international community and the world leaders, you promised You promised in 2011. You promised to Somalia never again. You promised again in 2017 never again. Why is it happening again?
0: That's Deepmala Mahala, CARE International's Vice President for Humanitarian Affairs on hunger in Somalia from a prolonged drought. Details coming up also. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has retained leadership of the ruling ANC. Judges rule that a plan by Britain to deport migrants and asylum seekers to Rwanda is lawful. And crowds in Sudan reject a deal aimed at ending military rule. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. In South Africa, President Cyril Ramaphosa has retained leadership of the governing African National Congress, the ANC, at the party's elective conference in Johannesburg. His re-election mandates him to take the ANC into national polls in early 2024 and to continue his fight against corruption. But as Darren Taylor reports, the conference has revealed an ANC in sharp decline racked by infighting.
2: Ramaphosa Cyril, his total
3: is 2,476. The moment Ramaphosa's re-election was confirmed, with 5,000 delegate votes from nine provinces up for grabs, he beat his closest rival, former health minister Zueli Mukise, by about 600 votes. Animosity was sparked between the former friends earlier this year, when the president's anti-corruption task force arrested and charged Nkizeh for alleged financial crimes related to COVID pandemic funds. At the conference, ANC members who remain loyal to former president Jacob Zuma, ousted by Ramaphosa at the same event five years ago, tried to disrupt proceedings and sway votes away from the incumbent and toward Nkizeh. But Ramaphosa stood firm, promising renewal and rebirth of an organization becoming increasingly unpopular because of corruption, rising unemployment and crime, and debilitating electricity outages. Over almost three decades, the ANC has failed to stem poverty and create jobs in South Africa, choosing instead to enrich itself, according to critics. Ramaphosa spokesperson Vincent Maguena told reporters the president's ready to give the country a new ANC. We feel extremely energized that the president will be able to accelerate the institutional reforms as well as the economic reforms that he has initiated and undertaken. And some of those reforms have started bearing fruits. And so the president is Ramaphosa is himself he's afflicted by a scandal related to the theft of almost $600,000 from his game ranch in 2020. A legal panel has found the president possibly committed criminal conduct, a finding he's disputing in court. But Ramaphosa's support within the ANC from senior officials such as Faiz Jacobs never wavered. We believed in him and we continue to push the renewal agenda and I think we are very happy, we're over the moon, that our president has
4: uh, very decisively, very emphatically showed and demonstrated the confidence of
3: all of our branches. And it is a unity and renewal vote of confidence in the presidency. Jacobs, like many in the ANC, presents the clear dissent and division within the ruling party as healthy democracy. We all had our different preferences. We all had our favourites. But now that leadership
4: represents us as the ANC. So let's rally, let's defend, let's consolidate around it. And I don't want to have this thing about them and us. We are one ANC now.
3: But even top party members say the internal power struggles, many to do with who controls government money, are destroying the ANC. Political analyst Sam Mkokeli, says being at this conference was like attending the ANC's funeral. He says the party is riddled with criminals and incompetents who won't allow Ramaphosa to make the sweeping good governance changes necessary to turn South Africa around. So you can
2: actually put money on it, the ANC will fall below 50% in the coming election and they seem not to understand that they seem unprepared to be dealing with the consequences or even doing a substantively different work and approach to avoid that.
3: Bad feeling between rival camps in the ANC was evident well after results were announced. Party members singing, not with a united voice, but to insult one another. Kelly and other experts say the ANC is doomed no matter what Ramaphosa does or doesn't do going forward. Either the party will split, they say, or it'll fade into dwindling significance. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
0: Rwanda says it welcomes a ruling by judges in the United Kingdom that the plan by the British government to deport migrants and asylum seekers to the African country is lawful. According to the French news agency AFP, a statement by the government says Kigali welcomes the decision and is ready to offer the migrants the opportunity to build a new life in Rwanda. The deal to send tens of thousands of migrants from Britain to Rwanda is part of a pact signed last year between the two countries, an agreement in which the UK would pay $146 million. The British government has aimed to deport to Rwanda anyone. Entering the UK after january first. A first group of asylum seekers was scheduled to take off in June, but the trip was cancelled by an injunction by the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. Thousands of pro democracy protesters rallied today in Sudan to reject a deal between the military and several civilian leaders aimed at ending military rule. The French news agency, AFP says, protesters in Khartoum chanted, You will not rule us with this deal, and called on the military to go back to the barracks. Roads leading to army headquarters were closed. The agreement is the first of a two-part process, which critics say fails to mention specifics and timelines. The protests coincide with the fourth anniversary of protests that led to the ouster of longtime leader Omar al-Bashir in April 2019. The transition to civilian rule was interrupted in October 2021 by a coup led by Army Chief Abdel Fattah al-Burhan. The World Health Organization warns billions of people who lack access to safe drinking water, sanitation and hygiene are at risk of deadly infectious diseases. The finding appears in the WHO and UN Water's Global Analysis and Assessment of Sanitation and Drinking Water report issued this week. Lisa Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva.
5: Data collected from 121 countries show billions of people are facing a health crisis and states must act urgently to improve water, sanitation and hygiene, known as WASH. The report, the most comprehensive to date, finds most countries are not on track to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goal of providing water and sanitation for all by 2030. Bruce Gordon is unit head, water, sanitation, hygiene, and health at the WHO. While dramatic acceleration is needed, he says only 25% of countries are on track to meet their target for sanitation and only 45% for drinking water.
6: And this is against a backdrop of a tremendous amount of, you know, disease, um, from diarrhea, uh, Linked to ingestion of of poor water, the root cause of poor sanitation, um, lack of hand hygiene that impacts also on respiratory infections. And so almost two million people are dying every year uh, because of poorly managed water, sanitation, and hygiene.
5: Gordon says countries need to recommit to the targets they have made to save those lives. He notes a major opportunity to do that will occur during an historic UN Water and Sanitation Conference in March. For the first time in 50 years, he says the global community will gather to review progress and make voluntary commitments to improve the water situation. The report delves into the impact climate-related extreme weather events have on impeding the delivery of safe wash services – Gordon says the report highlights the importance of climate resilience and adaptation to climate change.
6: And yet when we look at the policy response, uh, whether it's climate resilient technologies, um, which are simple things to avoid um, floods um, or to uh, mitigate uh, droughts, um, simple risk management um, or simple technologies, these are not being put in place
5: The WHO report calls on governments to dramatically increase investments to extend access to safely managed drinking water and sanitation services. It urges them to scale up support for wash service delivery by putting in place monitoring systems, regulatory functions, and capacity development. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
0: You're listening to African News Tonight. I'm Yehiyus Wuhib in Washington. The record-breaking drought in the Horn of Africa has affected half the population of Somalia, including the breakaway region of Somaliland. The United Nations says if more aid does not arrive soon, Somalia will suffer its worst famine in half a century. Jumamajanga Majanga reports from Buroko, Somaliland, one of the affected areas.
2: It is lunchtime at Hibak Hussein's rag-touched hut in Ainabo camp for the internally displaced in Somaliland's Boro district. Today, the family is eating donated white rice. The 26-year-old mother of four moved here a couple of months ago after walking more than 100 kilometers with her children to seek aid after drought killed all her livestock, which she says... Was her only source of livelihood. Hussein says she was left with nothing and didn't want to end up dying with her children in the forest. So she moved to the camp in search of relief. But even in the camp, life has not been easy. Hussein says sometimes she doesn't have any food to feed her children and they are forced to go to bed hungry. As a mother, she says, She feels very pained about that. Many Somalis are nomadic pastoralists, with livestock diminished by deadly drought affecting 7.8 million people across Somalia. Large populations have moved to IDP camps to seek relief aid. Hussein is among the 1.6 million. The UN High Commission for Refugees says have been displaced by drought in the country in 2022. More than 300,000 moon are facing famine, according to the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. Amran Shire is the Humanitarian Program Manager for Care International in Somaliland.
1: We are actually receiving a limitless number of people dropping out from their nomadic pastoral lifestyle because the drought is so severe that there is no pasture for livestock. There's no water for both livestock and human consumption.
2: More than 14 million people are struggling with hunger fueled by a record drought in the Horn of Africa that has killed more than 10 million animals. The worst situation is said to be in Somalia, including the breakaway Somaliland region. Deepmala Mahela is CARE International's Vice President for Humanitarian Affairs.
1: So the situation is grave. But the worst part is that our humanitarian response collectively is not matching the needs. People are dying right now, and we would be seeing a higher number of deaths next year if we don't step up immediately.
2: Compounding the problem for Hussein, her two youngest children are malnourished, the youngest severely. About 1.8 million children under the age of five face acute malnutrition across Somalia, according to a report by UNICEF. Kadra Jama, a nutrition nurse at Ainabo Health Centre, told VOA the facility records a daily average of 10 to 15 cases of malnourished children. She says sometimes there are cases with very severe malnutrition, Adding that the staff tries its best to stabilize them and send them to good hospitals like Buro General Hospital, but some of the patients die. In a trip organized for journalists by Care International, VOA visited five IDP camps in Buro district alone and recorded tales of families that walked hundreds of kilometers through conflict-ravaged areas in search of humanitarian aid. Tales of mothers walking long distances with their malnourished children, sometimes burying loved ones who die along the way. The last severe famine in Somalia in 2011 left more than a quarter a million people dead. Half of them children. Humanitarian groups warn of a repeat of the situation. Here again is Deepmala Mahela.
1: The starving people of Somalia, they are all looking at us. And let me remind the international community and the world leaders, you promised, you promised in 2011, you promised to Somalia never again. You promised again in 2017, never again. Why is it happening again? We can still prevent, we can still save lives and livelihood. Please step up and act now.
2: As famine spreads in Somalia, for those like Hussein who are affected by drought, The situation could not be any worse. Juma Majanga for VOA News, Buru, Somaliland.
0: The Somali government says 88 Al-Shabaab militants were killed last week in a joint operation by the army and local clan militia in central Somalia. The fighting was part of a general offensive against Al-Shabaab in the region as Ahmed Mohamed reports from the Somali capital Mogadishu.
4: At a Thursday night news conference, the Deputy Information Minister Abdurrahman Yusuf Al-Adala gave journalists an update on an operation by the Somali National Army and Allied clan militia in the Shabelle region. The minister said the national forces defeated the militantes who were regrouping in those areas and the forces recapturing Juhai village. During that operation, he said. 88 Al-Shabaab militants were confirmed dead and the forces are collecting their bodies. abdissalam Gule, the founder of Eagle Range Services, a security company in Mogadishu, says the success against Al-Shabaab in Middle shabele region is a major push for the ongoing campaign by the government forces and the clan militias. Gule, however, warns the government risks losing control of the campaign by allowing the militias to take the lead. He says, the criticism that the fighting against al Shabab is led by the tribal forces and the government is only taking part in it. He says, I say that because the fighting starts in different places at different times. The fighting against al Shabab, which was led by the Hawiya clan broke out in the Hiran region and it was successful. Now, he says, the fighting started in the Middle Shabelle region and it seems that the Abgal clan is leading the fight and the government acts as a participant. Goulet, who previously served as the national deputy director of intelligence says the government will need to make a concerted effort to complete the remaining operations in the central region before opening up other battle fronts. The federal government said early this month it will be launching operations in the Jubaland and southwest East state regions. But the security analysts say such actions could stretch available resources and give al-Shabaab more space to fight back. He says, I believe that the government should set a plan and time for the fighting and the government should act by the end of January. He adds that the next target should be the town of Harardere, which remains an al-Shabaab stronghold in central Somalia. Prime Minister Hamza Barre said this week while visiting the newly captured Adanyabale village in midor Shabelle region that al Shabab militants should be hunted down even in mosques. Aziz Hussein Isak, a security and political analyst with Hamid bin Khalifa Civilization Center, a cultural and research center in Denmark, says the militant group has been using mosques as defense positions and hideouts. He dismisses Kalims that al-Shabaab might use the Prime Minister's directive to build a narrative against the government. He says an armed al-Shabaab fighter using a mosque as a defensive position and firing at soldiers should be killed because they are fighting. And in that case, the government's order to kill fighters in mosques is the correct decision and will not have bad repercussions. The federal government recently said that the offensive with the Kalan militias, also known as the Community Defense Forces, has killed more than 600 Al-Shabaab militantes and captured dozens of villages in the central parts of the country. Ahmed Mohamed, for VOA News, Mogadishu, Somalia.
0: Fireworks and cheering as World Cup champions, Argentina greet fans from an open-top bus in the streets of Qatar last night. The world is still talking about the heart-stopping finale to the World Cup where Argentina overcame a late challenge from defending champion France to win. The Argentines, led by Lionel Messi, first drew 3-3 with France at the end of full-time and then took the cup home with penalty kicks, winning 4-2. Fans all over the world celebrated. This man was part of the throng around the Angel de la Independencia monument in Mexico City. He says... He thinks in the first 18 minutes Argentina completely controlled the game. Even so, he waited to the very end of the match because he did not know what would happen. He says in the last 20 minutes France made a plot twist, and I think in the end both were huge opponents, two great teams. In Paris, early today, many fans of the French team were coming to grips with the loss, like this woman. She says when a team loses during the penalty kick phase like that, during the penalty shootout phase, she is comfortable. France played well. They caught up 3-3. This is not bad, but it's like that, she says. It's soccer. You have to face your mistakes and correct them. This said, the players had a magnificent World Cup. Now, we have to move on. She says the fans shouldn't blame them. They gave it their best shot. In Morocco, fans were proud of the Atlas Lions after Croatia ended their history-making run in the third-place match in Qatar on Saturday. The Atlas Lions made history by becoming the first team from Africa and the first Arabic team to reach the World Cup semi-finals, but Morocco lost to Croatia 2-1 in the match for third place at Khalifa International Stadium. Morocco's showing in Qatar provided the most surprising story of the World Cup and sparked an outpouring of pride among Arab countries. This man says, as usual, the Moroccan team performed wonderfully and made the Moroccan people proud and the Arab people in general proud. He says, we weren't able to win, but thank God, we are in the hearts of Arabs and the world because of this tournament. God bless them. For more details on the World Cup, check out voaafrica.com and look for our special World Cup podcast on gold with Sonny and Moke We'll have a new episode in the coming hours. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yehyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Barro and our engineer, Zainab Abdullah Haman, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.
5: or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM stations.